Welcome to the grind. Today I kind of lucked up and got two for one. A two for one special. Uh, Coach K and Coach Ant. Yo, yo. Barry. Nice to be here. Don't what up, though? Or not necessarily here. Nice for you to come interview me, I guess, because <laughs> we are where we always are. <laughs> so, you know, I did it just start, just start off. Coach K, tell, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Coach K in the streets. It's like, nah, I'm Kirk Keys, um, officially. Um, Coach K when I coach baseball um, at Stanton Elementary School or with Infinite Evolution Youth Empowerment Initiative or with the Creative School. Um, that's a little bit of what I do. I can go more in depth about those three things now or later. Which one you want? Later. Same All right, Coach Coach Like you said, uh, officially, Aunt Barry, that's my name. From Detroit, had to come oh, out here to DC. Say what up, though, to y'all. Um, I'm a teacher at fourth grade elementary. I mean, fourth grade uh, math at Stanton Elementary. Um, what else do I do? Part of the creative school. Um, I'm behind the scenes. You might not see me all the time, but I do a lot of camera. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm coaching basketball. Uh, and on the side, mess with the baseball too with Coach K. Oh good, man. So just both of y'all with creative school, man. I'm gonna just go ahead and and make that my first uh first question, the Peace King book. Like, you know, speak a little bit about that. Like what 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 bought that? So the Peace King book is actually what um started the creative school. So um, we started originally at Stanton Elementary School as a boys program. It was called the Boys Institute or TBI. And um, they were called the Peace Kings because on the opening day of their ceremony in the summertime, um, Kariga Bailey, he's out of Oakland. He has uh, he's known as the Peace King and the Peace Kings are his brand. And that's what he also calls the students over at the school that he works at. And so um, he came over and crowned them with those Peace King crowns that are now kind of locally renowned. Yeah, like, and, and that's um, like the trend here yeah, at the school, and he like, let them know that they would be called Peace Kings from there on out, and then that's what they started being called from here on out, and then it grew over to the Queens as well because we don't want to leave them out. Obviously, we want everybody to spread peace, and so um, that was what started it. But after the first year of photography and poetry um, being collected from the summer program and from the school year, uh, they decided to put a book together, and we didn't want. Uh, that's a little bit of background information that we want to talk about, but <laughs> we um, wanted to put, you know, who this book was by and we needed something that was separate the boys from um, number one from DCPS and also just from the school system in general. We wanted it to be theirs. We wanted the um, donations that come, the purchases that come, anything that comes to support those kids and not be something that like the school could say, yeah. It should go to them, yeah. And so um, we started the creative school. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Right. What you what, what's your what's your take on it? Um, like what's it what other than you know his vision and what he seen, you know, or what it was. What also real quick shout out to Marshall Pollard. He's the person who uh, founded the creative school as well as the um, the originator of I guess the the platform of the Boys Institute. Um, the creation of what it became, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, um, what was it, three years ago? That's when I met my Marshall. I actually met him inside the, the teacher's lounge. Oh, wow. Yeah, he loved some food, and I didn't even know anything about the school because I had just started working as a tutor. Okay. So 
he uh, saw me as a just black man inside the school. And was like, hey, what's up, man? We got a, a tutor. I mean, um, a mentoring program inside okay. the school. Trying to like, if you got some free time, come through at one o'clock. So I go over there and say, like, you know, see what's up. Then I started just keeping the vibe. It was a different vibe from just a traditional classroom. Even though they had the peace room, it was an actual classroom. But to see how the kings were inside there, just talking to each other, um, it was more mentors coming in, and I was already just looking at how orchestrated uh, orchestrated the business was. And I was like, "This is this is something I want to be a part of. <laughs> this is dope right here. So if I can get, be a part of it, then hopefully I can look better myself." Yeah. And that was three years ago. So um, now I'm actually, like, like I said, I'm behind the scenes taking like attendance, making sure. To like measure the growth of the students, yeah. and the kings and the queens, yeah. Because now we saw we saw it as a, or they when it originally started was the boys institute, like you said, yeah. But then I guess we started to see that these girls are sitting, missing the same love, yeah. So we had to add the queens because at the end of the day, if queens are being shouted out there. At the end of the day, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. Do you know what I noticed too, though? Yeah. Is that is that like when y'all have like you be posting like your yoga set yoga sessions and. And a lot, a few of the kids I met over the summer, you know, with uh, YBA, uh, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. those they still they still participating in the. Yeah. So, um, ironically, I was just talking about a couple of them before we started, and um, they were supposed to be coming up here, but they're not coming up here anymore. So, when the program first started, it was, it was for third through fifth graders, um, and this was what two three years ago. So that would mean the. Original third grade class is now in sixth grade. So the original fifth grade class is now in eighth grade. So it's really the bulk of middle school now. They're all in sixth through eighth grade. But we laid a foundation that was solid enough that the kids still want to be a part of it. So they come back frequently. Like um, a lot of them have half days during the week at their middle schools. Um, Not the whole week, but obviously like one day or so. They spend that half day coming back up here trying to see how they can help out with us or just spend time with us. um, Things like that. Uh, over the, the summertime, they spent a whole lot of time with us, especially this summer because we lost one of our students, 11-year-old Karan Brown. Um, also, and on the weekends, they they literally would, because of stuff like that, us losing a student and other friends that they have um, passing, they recognize that like they're going through something that's not normal. In, in life, you shouldn't be this age and losing friends from mm-hmm. from non-natural causes. So they recognize where they're safe at. They recognize where they want to spend their time and they recognize, you know, how they can actually make it past the, these teenage years into adult life. And if it's by spending time with us, that's what they decide they want to do. So we spend a lot of time with us on weekends as well, just hooping, um, playing baseball, practicing baseball, stuff like that. So, yeah, so I, you know, I'm kind of fast forward to, to that. You know what I mean? To um, you know, I think one thing you said to me, we're not, and I actually talked about this in my last interview that I had with uh, uh, Ms. Caldwell, who's a therapist, mm-hmm. a licensed therapist. Okay. Coach said one day, he said, <clears throat> and I'll never forget it, he said, Coach, kids cope differently, like, than how, you know, we as adults really pay attention to. They do it by social media, mm-hmm. constantly posting. He said he had one student that posted like every day. You know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. picture and how he misses him. In the morning time when he wake up, like I'm and, thinking about you, bro, such and such before he even step out. Yeah. Uh, in the evening time, he might talk about, he might 
like write a letter to him saying what happened today, stuff that was funny today. They thought about him today. Conversation came up about him today, stuff like that. They're just always posting about it. So it lets you know they're always thinking about it. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's true, though, because like as adults, we overlook it. We kind of just like the picture or, you know, we say, you know, dang, I remember that. So the, so the question would be, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you think, you know, athletes dying in the city is affecting you know, the students, like, overall? Like, how do you think that, like, they can, how do you think that they can find other ways, other ways than just maybe posting it on social media or coping with it amongst each other? I feel like, for one, um, we have to recognize that these are humans, just in a smaller standpoint. So, just like you said, they are going through the same things that we're going through, and it's showing in a different way. So, we have to understand how to even recognize what PTSD looks like in a child, uh-huh. because that's what they're going through. Uh-huh. So, us, me being an educator, uh, I recognize that these children are going through this at night. So, the first thing that I see when, I, when they come into the classroom is not take off your hat or where's your homework? It's how are you? How are you doing? Uh-huh. Like, let me get you a hug real quick. Did uh-huh. you eat breakfast real quick? Like, if you, even if you're late, I got some breakfast in my little cabin over here. Because uh-huh. those are the things that these kids are truly missing. So uh-huh. that true love is what the adults have felt like we need to start just shoveling, I mean, um, shoveling it to these kids real yeah, quick. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if they're, not, if they're missing it, they're expressing all of the hate that they're going through, like listening to the crazy music that they like. And that's just... Yeah. Also, <laughs> messing up their brains because these are like idols. Yeah. So if they over there, just think about the who's it, the triple X guy. Like, yeah. That death right there just hit a lot of mm-hmm. kids hard because that was an idol to some of these kids. Yeah. Imagine, imagine we lost Nipsey and how tripped out all the adults were. Yeah. And to yeah. the kids' version of Nipsey is Triple X. Like they listen to all these emo songs. Triple X made some emo songs, dog. Yeah. But <laughs> but they listen to all these emotional songs, and that's what they liked when he was alive. But then he, their emotional person has now died. So yeah. now imagine that. Now they're even more emotional. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> so, we was tripping off of Nipsey, who wasn't even making. I feel like emotional songs like that. But they were passionate. It wasn't so much like you know love, talking about love and hate and all of this type of stuff. Whereas Triple X is, and these are their feelings, and then they lost him too. So, like, imagine how they feel, but then all the adults are bashing Triple X because he got so much of a negative background historically and all that type mm-hmm. stuff. But do you think that's what kids want to hear right now? Is y'all bashing this, their, their idol? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Nipsey was a gang member. Nobody sitting there walking around talking about how much Nipsey was a gang member. You yeah. up there idolizing Nipsey for all the good stuff he did. Yeah. Let's focus on that because yeah. these kids, that's what they're hearing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what they pay attention to. So, if you're not even relating to the stuff that they like because you're sitting there bashing something because it's completely irrelevant now that this man is dead but uh how are you supposed to relate to these kids if you can't even actually like tap into what they're feeling right now right. you gotta be able to tap into that put give perspective if you know your man just just passed he wasn't even your man he was somebody famous but you might have idolized his music then give them the same respect when their person passes that's one but to answer your question i also think we need some more creative outlets like um not even so much sports like basketball, baseball, all of that stuff that we naturally are going to talk about. But like, um, <clears throat> for example, on the 23rd, next week, next Thursday, um, we are having a commemoration for Storm, Stormaya um, Denson Jackson. She passed uh, two years ago, January 23rd. This will be her second anniversary of her passing. She committed suicide at the CE school, the seventh grader. Yeah, I and then um, again, Karan, we just talked about him, but that's also his 12th birthday is January 23rd. So we're bringing um, an event to Stanton 
for to commemorate and honor both of them, but also like to to charge the kids and the adults who are surrounding the kids who might happen to come out to go out um, and have a successful year, accomplish the things that they want to accomplish, set some goals, um, stop just being at each other's neck unnecessarily, ready to fight because right. these are your brothers, these are your sisters. Like y'all are growing up in this atmosphere. This world is a real big world. They, I don't yeah. think they realize how big it is. The one thing that you all all have in common is y'all are coming from the same place. Y'all are right. going through the same situations. Y'all are going through the same stuff, but then right. y'all turn around fighting each other. Right. Ain't nobody else out here going to have your back more than these people that you're coming up with right now. Right. So y'all need to learn how to love each other and then take that love out into the world. And, and, um, and also, uh, back on the creative outlets um that event is going to have like a bunch of different breakout groups and things like that we're going to have um charles king from helping others with life former incarcerated uh citizen now he's out here starting businesses helping people doing doing cool stuff like that rollo um with uh ronald Welly with the uh, cure the streets he also formerly incarcerated um citizen now he's the executive director of cure the streets out here trying to stop these uh these youth who are who are violent you know what i mean um mm-hmm. trying to curb the violence and curb some of the things that these kids are going through so um having them speak hopefully we have tony lewis speak as well we waiting for him to confirm Treyon's supposed to be coming through and speaking and then we also have uh, art therapy breakout groups led by like uh, kiana from congress heights arts and culture center mm-hmm. um d dwyer the photographer uh also an art teacher um, just different spaces for kids to come in and enjoy themselves and cope with some of the things that they're going through in life. So how open do you think they're willing to be? <clears throat> uh, I think it varies. Some kids aren't open, so you can't really expect them just to be open because they're getting new outlets and things like that. Other kids are super open and will open up. Like we have, we're having a podcast at the event as well. Somebody going to come through and host it. And so we want our more vocal kids to come out and actually, you know, give their voice. We started the podcast, um, the creative school did last year. Um, Maybe actually going on two years now, year and a half. Um, One of our our queens, she was in one of the meetings that we have. She is, uh, I think she was 11 at the time. We were having a meeting and the opening of the meeting said... It was, it, we always had warm-ups or something like that. And the warm-up was, if you could start a podcast, what would it be called and what would the topic be? And so uh, I always wanted to start a kid podcast anyway, because I feel like it's just natural that if they were able to get their voices out, um, I think it's a it's a good audience and we have the right kids because kids are funny as I don't know what. They always um, just saying, like the show said, the wildest things. So, <laughs> so uh, she answered it by saying she would start a podcast. It would be called Kids Can Be Big. And then she said... Um, she said it would be about kids providing their voices to teachers and parents because adults are always talking to kids, but they're never actually listening. So this will get kids and the ability to voice themselves. And then the adults will have to listen because it's already recorded. It's on a podcast. Right. You know what I mean? That nobody right. can interrupt what they had to say, all of that good stuff. So we um, literally a week later had what we call a network gathering at the time, which is bringing creatives um community members, all of that stuff to the school to support the kings and queens and the stuff that they're doing. And a guy happened to come out there and he was like, yeah, I, I do podcasts. Like I have my own. I help other people start theirs. And I want to start a podcast with kids. Yeah. And this was literally a week later. I was like, bro, we got the perfect kid for you. I had set him up with a meeting. Uh, they ended up coming, coming together, planning out the podcast and then airing it at our first uh, event. Um, 
after that, which was called uh, Stories from the South Side, okay. which is our end of the year commemoration that we do every year. So this this summer, um, come June, will be Stories from the South Side, Volume 3. Oh, and um, all it is is taking all of the different partners that we have throughout the school year or throughout the year. And um, we typically do a, a specific event or activity at each space. So like um, that first day that we did it, we had the podcast and uh, a chess tournament at Congress Heights Arts and Culture Center because she always houses things that the creative school mm-hmm. does. Then we went she over there. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some really dope stuff. Then we went to, uh, not Anacostia Arts Center, we went to the ARC. And, uh, we had a pop-up shop slash like um, art gallery at the ARC and took the podcast over there to continue it a little bit more. And then we went to Nats Youth Baseball Academy and we hosted um, a baseball tournament and a clinic and or it wasn't a tournament it was a clinic and then it was a game and then we also had the podcast go and finish up over there and we'd let people taste our water brand because they make it over at national baseball academy and all that good stuff that ended up kind of not taking a break and it's about to come back actually on the 23rd as well switch from a water brand to a juice brand that's all i can tell y'all right now so. a whole paragraph yeah. like I'll be talking, I'll be talking, my bad. It's the only thing I want to talk about, though. So, this is the only thing you're going to catch me talking this long winded about. (laughs) But I did know it's so passionate. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like, like, you, we ideally work because we have to, right? But if you can have, like, like and just walk away right now mm-hmm. and just get it popping. Somebody put seven million on your life. <laughs> what you so. gonna do? I know I can, exactly I can do what I'm half gonna do. Of that mm-hmm. I mean, just give me one million. I can do something. <laughs> I'll take the seven. You know what I'm saying? But to kind of go into like your sports history, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then we'll uh, we'll wind back. So, Mr. Barry, Coach Barry, you know what I'm saying? Tell us a little bit about your sports, your sports life, sports life. the journey. He's going to be way more dope than mine. It's like, I'm joking. No, I mean, it's two different spectrums. He got like, national he got championships, bass. bro. He got national championships. Hey, hey, you know what, Not with though? an S, but hey, still. Anything, anything that I don't have the... S, I, I mean, anything I don't have, I add S's on. Like, yeah, if you have a national championship, right? I don't have hey, one of listen, those, so I said national the, championships. The, the, the way I, I don't got a degree. I'll be like, they got degrees. A World Series, man. I did. I played my whole life for that. I did win a World Series. It definitely was a journey. Uh, I started playing basketball back in eighth grade. Never really played for real. Then I was a bum. You started young. I mean, you started um, late. Yeah, late. Like for real, for real. I mean, I was playing like in the like in the hood, but like not really like organized. Okay, basketball. okay. Yeah. So well, you like, were playing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was playing. You was playing. <laughs> yeah, but then I started. Uh, I didn't have no high school team. I went to an academy, not in Detroit, but like on the outskirts of Detroit. It was a Peterson Warren Academy in Inkster, Michigan. They didn't have a team, um, and then I had church league. So church league was eighth grade through. 12th grade. About 10th grade, that's when I started to actually dunk. Mm. 11th grade, I was trying to dunk on everybody. Like, Two around. years. Yeah, like that, just that's... like that. But it was like a growth spurt. I went from like the shortest dude in the class to the tallest dude in the class in the year. Mm. So I never played um, like basketball for high school. So I didn't know anything about like scouts and nothing yeah. like that. So my uh, my coach, I mean, not, not, well, he was my coach, basically. He was my gym teacher. Okay. About the Starbridge, rest in peace. But, um, he told me that it was a school out here at Washington at Venice University. Back then, it was called Columbia Union College. He had came out here to try to apply to be the athletic director, but he ended up not getting the position. But he said he liked the vibe out here. He was like, I think you should go out there and try to try out for the squad. 
I came out here in 2009, ended up walking onto the squad. Mm. Me and my roommate, it was actually funny because we were the only two dudes that made the team. Yeah. So <laughs> that was just like, that let you know something was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we ended up walking on, and then I ended up getting kicked off the squad because I went home for uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, wow. It was just the, the coach wasn't really all that good, I'm just to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't give me all the information that I needed. But um, when I came back every, at the end of the day, uh, a new coach came in. He was mm. a new athletic director. He kicked him so off the kinda, squad. So it kind of worked in your favor yeah, almost. Yeah, it worked in my favor. So his name is uh, Patrick Clary. He came in as an athletic director at Washington Adventist University. And then he said, I'm about to start being the athletic director and I'm going to be the basketball yeah, coach. Me. So he just changed the whole face of the whole program. And it was like a bum program to like something that was starting to excel. Yeah. And then he saw that I was actually on the squad before, I guess, like looking through the rosters. So mm-hmm. he saw me playing in a Merrill's team, in a Merrill's belt basketball. Yeah. They had the staff like, squad and they had everybody else. So when he actually played me, I tried to dunk on Dang and everybody else, <laughs> all the coaches. So yeah, pulled me to the side. I was like, yeah, I know I see you, uh, I see, you know, you have like talent and everything. Like what happened? He told him my story and everything. Then he just vibed with me and everything. And then that's when I got back on the squad, ended up working hard. Then I broke my leg the next year. <laughs> yeah. Then I came back like probably like five, six months after that, tried to play, ended up having to sit down. And then in 2013, 2014 year, that's when I was like, everything just came back together. I was healthy. Grades was good. Still playing basketball, still on the squad. Then I was a senior. That's oh. when we went to, we went all the way. We went to uh, Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh, but some school in uh, Philadelphia, uh, Penn State something. Mm. Um, that's what the championship game was. Yeah. It's the USCAA national championship. Ended up going there, winning twenty eight games, no twenty out of twenty twenty games and eight losses. That's we ended up nice. going to the championship. That's uh, an impressive uh, little yeah, season. Little MVP situation. Oh wow, man! Yeah. I don't be trying to like bragging. You have a you have a victory story, yeah. man. Hey, like a month ago, <laughs> I went and hooped with this man, and it's like. I was out there with like Kobe. <laughs> I was like, he what the hell is going on? Yeah. I ain't want him to pass it. I, my job is to rebound and block. I'm not good at basketball, though. I was happy I was playing with Kobe. <laughs> like, look, listen, just rebound. And pass. That's all I'm good at. I had a I had a fifth grade experience where I was the MVP of the basketball tournament that we had every year at our school. And it was because out of nowhere, I developed a hook shot that day, like that day. <laughs> Might have dropped like 14, 16 or something and was blocking and rebounding. That was it. No dri- no dribbles. If you pass me the ball, I was hook shotting it and going back down the other side. But people miss that that is more important than the, hey. the person that's scoring 30 or 40, man. Yeah, but so because after we, that who, one, that yeah, one little tournament. That, that, one that means little he tournament. took a charge mm-hmm. and he probably dove. For the ball. Yeah. Oh, I was going hard like that. That was the only thing I was really good at. I had to go hard because I couldn't shoot and I couldn't dribble. Yeah, listen. <laughs> trust me. I was that one after you dove. It was like, ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ball. Come on. Give me that yeah, thing. So that, yeah. after that tournament, though, I was never good again. Went on to middle school, sixth grade. Saw these kids that was hooping for years, obviously. It was way better than me. I was like, yeah, I'm going back to my lane and just rebounding and blocking <laughs> calls of the day. <laughs> no, though, realistically, though. Right? Like, Okay, on the baseball side, mm-hmm. if you think about it, now that's right? another story. A lot of <laughs> no, realistically though, a lot of like you know minorities like you know our color mm-hmm. um, have started out, especially males, started out playing baseball yeah. and mm-hmm. stopping. 
Mm-hmm. So what's your story? Like, why did you? So the irony in that too is that uh, a lot of my friends that played Boys and Girls Club with me at, by high school weren't even playing anymore and were all like basketball, football stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the irony. But um, I started playing baseball because my mom, she played softball in church league. And she was like the Cal Ripken, uh, uh, who else? Derek Jeter of of uh, sports. I mean, of, of church league softball. And so I was out there all the time with them, going to practices, games, all of that. And the coaches, everybody was real cool. They would let me out there practicing with them. Like I didn't know what I was doing yet, but I was learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so then, um, getting off of school, my mom would always be at work when I would get out of school. So my grandfather took a lot of took a took care of me the most, um, like right after school between probably the times of like two p.m. and six p.m. every day. Um, I would be over at my grandparents' house, and he would always go in the backyard with me, and we'd play catch. we uh play handball, so it's like a fake version of baseball. You're hitting it with your hand, but it works on a lot of hand-eye coordination as well. Um, doing all that just to get good. And Silver Hill Boys and Girls Club baseball commissioner lived right around the corner from me, and his grandson was my best friend, and he already played on the baseball team. He was a catcher, and this was the first year that they needed to um, – needed to it was like t-ball machine pitch and then you actually have kids pitching so the first year that they had kids pitching he happened to drive past see me outside asked my grandfather if i could play he was like you guys with mom mom's like yeah you can play but i ain't got no money so, so, <laughs> so, so i gotta pay for it and he's the, no he's the commissioner so he's like oh he playing for free because he good took him out there to the, took me out there to the first practice like i said this was the first year kids had to pitch so they needed to see who knew what they were doing who could pitch who couldn't pitch so on and so forth i was literally the only kid you go out there put a catcher in front of me i'm hitting the mitt like he ain't got move his hand or anything like 20 times straight it was so, i guess it was so unbelievable to them they didn't even want me to stop it was, every time a new adult came it was like hey come here watch this real quick <laughs> <laughs> like i remember that verbatim and so this is again like my first year playing but the reason why i was so accurate is because i had this little pitching net in my backyard that had the strike zone and so anytime i would hit that net the ball would bounce right back to me i would catch it i was lazy so i didn't want to have to go get the ball so i made sure i hit that strike zone every time i got good that's how you get target practice right there so so um yeah, I was probably best pitcher in the, in Little League this side of the river. Like, <laughs> like I ain't no size. Um, playing uh, my first year, first like two, three years, I was on the B team because the coach, the commissioner that lived around the corner, he coached the B team. But um, one, the A team wanted me to play. Two, I didn't want to play for them because I didn't really know those players yet. I knew all the kids on the B team because, like I said, my best friend was on that team. And we ended up going to the championship that year playing Silver Hills A team in the championship. We ended up losing because they had all the studs. But then the next year, joined that team because <laughs> they had all the studs. And because uh, my elementary school, I ended up befriending a lot of those kids, too, because this is like my first year living in that neighborhood and stuff because I, I had moved in with my grandparents. But... Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so I made a few more friends, ended up the next year coming back, playing on that team with them. Um, all of us ended up being being pretty good. One of my coaches now actually uh, ended up playing on my high school team with me and now coaches with me with our program and all of that. So we've had like a long time friendship, partnership, brotherhood. I'm still in touch with a lot of those kids. 
Um, but went on from Little League and actually um, had to take a break because I threw my arm out from pitching so much. Because after leaving that team of all these good players, I went back to a different team, um, still in Silver Hill, though, with a different coaching staff and all of that. And we didn't end up having any pitchers for real. So they ended up using me like that whole year. And I'm almost certain. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I know like now they have so many coaching, um, so many rules for like pitching uses and stuff like that because so many kids and adults after a while ended up throwing their arms out that I, I guess they started regulating it. I don't know if it was regulated when I was a kid because you don't care about stuff like that. You just want to play, especially what position you did at. I knew I was good at pitching. Nobody could hit me. I wanted to pitch. And so... Uh, and so I ain't even care. But I'm wondering if they had pitching rules back then. I don't even really know. But I ended up throwing my arm out. Um, health insurance was slight, so didn't even really go to the doctor about it. Just took like three years off from the sport. This was like seventh grade, I think. I came back in 10th grade at, um, at Oxon Hill, ended up on varsity. Um, pitching? Yeah, I was I was back pitching, but because I had never like got the surgery or whatever to heal my arm, I could give you I became a relief pitcher basically. I can give you like two strong innings or I can give you four BS innings where somebody might be like cranking me over the fence or something. But uh <laughs> but um I was still good, still solid. It's funny cuz uh my teammates like the one that coaches with me now and another one coaches with me that played high school with me as well. They always going to argue with me that like they were better than me and all this and that whatever whatever. They didn't throw their arms out. <laughs> and we are competing. It's an yeah, argument. Yeah, yeah. So what does that tell you? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They still was uh, <laughs> Like, no, nah, I ain't even going to brag like that. But, um, but yeah, so play that <laughs> after wait, I already wait, did. After I already did. Exactly. But um, so uh, high school, this was probably the best year Oxen Hill had ever had in like the last 20 years uh, at the time. We ended up. Still not all black squad. I think we had a couple cool, cool ass white boys, um, <laughs> um, a couple Hispanic kids, but we were a predominantly black team and uh, made it all the way to the semifinal round, which usually we either don't make the playoffs or we get put out like the first round. We actually ended up going against Roosevelt, which is a powerhouse in every sport we already know. But uh, we only lost to him 3-1 and had the time runs on base and everything, but couple foolish little mistakes didn't end up going on to the championship. It's unfortunate, but it's life. That was still like moral victory right there, the fact that we were doing all of that. Because Roosevelt, for one, had – I made the all-county team. I was second team all-county team because Roosevelt's first baseman had – he was like the top three recruit in the nation or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And then Roosevelt always used to uh, recruit, even though they was a regular PD County school, not supposed to. But, like, it was just tattering all across the board. It's known. Now that I know some of Roosevelt coaches, former players, all of that, like, they admit to used to do it. They can't even do it. Go ahead. I'm good. Oh, but uh, who was I going to say? Yeah, so um, after that, went on to go to college and had a couple of roommates who were on the baseball team. I was supposed to be on the baseball team. Ended up, like, walking on or something. I got too lazy because I was used to being a superstar and had to do anything and still got all the special accolades and stuff. But um, they were up had uh, running, weightlifting, and gone to their first period before I even woke up. I was like, nah, that's not for me no more. <laughs> so that's, I ended up stopping there. But that was, you know, my career in a nutshell. But I'm way happier doing what I'm doing now anyway. So, I mean, I guess you can't compare it because who knows if you would have made it to the league and things like that, how happy you would be. But I like what I'm doing. It caused me to go on and start programming for things that I saw we were having gaps at growing up. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so Coach Barry, you coach – you coach here at the school. Like, so, you know, with the, I mean, I guess with your, we 
talking about sports challenges, right? Like even, you know, for, for both sports, baseball and, and basketball, but like what are some of the challenges that you see, you know? He, he... <laughs> well, here, um, when, because DCPS only allows third, fourth and fifth graders to play basketball. Yeah. Um, I don't know why not third graders, because I do have a couple third graders who I wish we could be on the squad. Yeah. But um, with that being said, I call this entry-level basketball. Right. Because me coming from where I come from, we play basketball every every day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand <coughs> that the people over here in Southeast don't play basketball the way I played basketball back in the day. Yeah. It's like we had courts literally on every corner. And if you didn't have a court, you bought a basketball room and you put it in the middle of the street. Yeah. So the sport out here is football. So right now, I'm, I'm, my challenge is trying to get kids to be as passionate about basketball as they are about football. Yeah, yeah, because, that's um, true. Yeah, that's just now I'm thinking about challenge. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about um, I feel like Pop uh, Warner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, it's, I mean, basketball is kind of still coming around, though. Yeah, yeah that's like what I was going to say. It's not, I don't think it's a 50-50 split yet, but... This area is if you start including like the county and stuff like that, we we it's some talent around here in the league talent. and everything. Yeah, I don't think the, the, yeah, I guess the, the passion, the, not the yeah, passion, passion, but the the consistency with the work, with the work all the way around. I guess because it's not the fact that the talent, yeah, they it's because they got access to gyms and they working every day like we talking about. But then you have the the I guess the drop off past those guys is a whole nother level though. You know what, Coachberry, I gotta ask this question. Mm. You had one girl. That was really, that really, really wanted to play. Tall? Yes, the one with the pretty hair. Oh, and this year? Yes. Oh, yes. She really wanted to play. Like, and I was just, I was, every day I was like, you know, did you make it? You know, she was like, we didn't have it yet, Miss D. And I was just like, you know, like, what, like, what happened? But what happened with the girls' team was basically paperwork, trying to get everybody to get all the physicals in, um, the health. Forms actually filled out, um, and I, consent forms like those things was was binding you to even get kids to play. But you know I'm know? saying, like you know, and I, and I what I was ideally what I've always been thinking, and then one of my really good friends, shout out to uh, to Coach Dog, um, mm-hmm. Torrance Dog, because he played football at HD Woodson. It's really good. good. Um, but <clears throat> why not have? Why not make it like a requirement? I mean, it's already a requirement for kids to get enrolled, right? So why not have a requirement to where every kid in the building should be participating in a sport? Like whether it's soccer, whether it's tennis, whether it's track, whether it's anything. Because you have the paperwork already, right? Why not just transition the paperwork that you are enrolled because you have to have a physical, yeah. right? That's even being school. So your parent has already signed, has already signed in papers and consent to so there shouldn't be any issue of you know can my child play baseball it's a lot of weird confusing background stuff that i don't even think any of us are privy to that is why all of these things are the case i mean yeah i get like i get that but you know safe wins is for you know a guy like coach burry and Mm -hmm. guy like you know yourself have the credentials to help kids get to say for instance middle school where yeah. coaches like well you know what have they been doing in elementary you know what I'm saying like you have the credentials to help them move or at least have an introduction to sports right. 
you know, and to where they won't get to the ninth grade and be like, hey, you know, I think I want to play basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then it's really no shot for real, for real. I think I seen on Facebook. I don't know if y'all seen it. You probably didn't, but I'm in one of those little group chats. And mind you, I'm just getting used to Facebook for real, for real. But yeah, because I once I started uh, Hard and Hustle, I kind of just, you know, I had to get on all these platforms for real to kind of make myself a little marketable, if you want to say. But the question was, do DCIAA coaches still recruit? Uh, I would say, yeah. I don't know for facts because I don't talk to a lot of them, but I would say yeah because I know for I know I went to a uh, Woodland football game. I think you were with me yeah. went to a Woodland football game um, over the football season just that just passed. And Johnson's uh, football coaches, these are middle school coaches, mind you, were at the game like recruiting players, seeing who who was solid, who was what, trying to figure out what schools they was going to and all that to see if they were coming to Johnson so that they can have them on their football team. So just seeing that alone, I think. Is is a testament because that's a middle school. So if they doing it, you know other schools are doing it as well. So then the, the question, the next question, I mean, I get next comment that somebody kind of kind of got it to is like um, charter schools and um, <coughs> charter schools have kind of put. Well, this is really a top a talk of the town. Charter schools have kind of put a damper in DCPS athletics because majority of the kids' parents. Mm-hmm are willing to send them there because of academics, supposedly, and WCAC are getting the better athletes in our city. Do you believe, I mean, do you believe that? That that makes a, you know, and if so, why? Why do you think that DCPS is getting such a bad rap on sports, period? Like, even baseball. Like um, I think they probably, well, as far as the, the the charter schools go, I think they've marketed their, to their athletes a little bit better as far as, like, just things that athletes like, like the jackets, the actual things that you get to wear being an athlete, the esteem that comes with it. So they may – I mean, this is me coming from the outside looking in. Uh-huh. Just looking at some of these kids walking around with some jackets, you know, uh-huh. with their basketball logo on it. Uh-huh. And some DCPS schools, like the school right now, we don't have that much funding. So – at the end of the day, they may have a little bit more money to actually go out to these neighborhoods and urge uh-huh. these kids from these local local school neighborhoods and say, uh-huh. hey, we, we, we might not necessarily <coughs> treat you better, but you might be able to look better uh-huh. and pay over here. Uh-huh. And that aesthetics is going to make a child want to do things because we may have bought these kids some team shoes. Uh-huh. Kids might not have some shoes to even play with. I'm over here trying to play in New Balances today. Uh-huh. And you just bought me some Jordans to uh-huh. play or some, some good Nikes right now to really hoop in. So that may be in my opinion, a good way that they have been using to just purge students away from DCPS. But I don't think that DCPS doesn't have good athletes. I just feel like we haven't been able to, I guess, groom them into the the athletes that we should have because just think about a lot of the specials classes that they have. Back in the day, we only had PE and music. Yeah, for real. It. And you went to the gym all the time. Like that was the place yeah, to that hang was out. It. <laughs> like, that was it. Everybody so, was trying to skip class to go to the gym. Like yeah. I was. But. So yeah, that's what, that's that was my whole high school career. So that's what just thinking about those things um, in elementary. I don't think that they have that access. Yeah. And some of these schools just have better gyms, just better facilities. Yeah. Period. Like yeah. you got to think about the the multi-purpose rooms that a lot of these schools have as yeah. their gym. This is their gym, their cafeteria, and their auditorium. Yeah. So, yeah. 
You that is true. Scheduling is an issue. Just yeah. keeping it up is an issue. So, yeah. yeah. And you don't have no real cause. You're using yeah. them joints. At, it's time. You dump on them joints twice. <laughs> they all been done. Yeah. But I think it's... Uh, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's... um, For one, I want to differentiate a little bit. So we talked about DCPS. And then we talked about the charter schools being a part of the issue, but then you mentioned WCAC. So on the lower level of like elementary, middle school, I see the charter board being the issue or the charter schools being an issue because they take a lot of um, the regular DCPS schools, they take those students with the expectancy that they're getting a better education. And I see some of these charter schools and it's really pretty much the same. The school, my name just might be a little bit better or you know, you have a little higher expectation, but honestly, what you end up getting is no different than what you would have gotten at a, at a DCPS school. I, I think they water down the charter whole school system now, and it's really just DCPS with an with a extra letter or extra word. <laughs> WCAC, though, like we talking about Gonzaga, Tamatha, schools like that, I'm assuming. Um, those schools, uh, they appeal to parents, number one. Because you actually are, I believe, getting a better education out of those schools than what you would get at a DCPS school. And they have a historical context of being better at athletics. Um, not, I guess, not uh, 40, 50 years ago, but in the last like 20 or so years, a lot of the, the schools around here, they're better athletically, just naturally, because they're getting the better players. And um, they're competing against each other. So that's making them better versus competing against, like, Anacostia that ain't done nothing in the last few years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I graduated from No offense. I mean, yeah, Oxford Hill has been trash hey, no, in it, football since I've been there. Yeah, so, <laughs> but I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, I think the, the claim that they have and esteem that they have to appeal to students who want to go there, like, I talked to some kids in our baseball um, team that are 14, 15, just, well, they're really 13, 14, about to be going to high school now. They're in eighth grade. Some of them are in ninth grade. And they already know the schools that they want to go to. They're naming the DeMathas and St. John's and things like that because that's just what they know. Mm-hmm. And it's what they've always dreamed of going to. It's like if you know you want to go to the league and you want to go play for the Cowboys, you ain't going all of a sudden. I mean, you be willing to get drafted by any team, but you still wanted to go play for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. So if you have that power, are you not going to go play for the Cowboys? <laughs> so a lot of these kids are getting good so that they have that power to go play to, for these high schools. That's, that's what they want to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so it kind of give you like a, um, you know, Mr. Gray. I mean, Coach mm-hmm. K kind of got a, uh, an idea. So I kind of been talking, but um, I started Heart and Hustle um, for one as a uh, to help with the mental health of athletes mm-hmm. on every level. Um, well, really, the athletic community. Um, that means coaches, parents, players. Um, you know, and just talk about the struggles as being an athlete and what you could have done differently or, you know, maybe seeing someone else go through their struggles or, you know, and for myself, um, I played basketball with them, you know what I mean? Went to Anacostia, graduated from there, um, went to Elizabeth City State University. Oh, we City. Yeah, man, we said, yeah, man, we said, I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah, we used to beat them by like a hundred, like you know what I mean? They don't have, uh, what's his name, Angelo Sharpies? Did you go to your school? I don't know. What class was that? It was back in like 2012, maybe. Yeah, I was already gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 
<laughs> Be like, yeah, nah. I, leave. <laughs> I was at, I don't know what I was doing yeah, I 2012. God, that was a few years ago. No, but um, yeah, you know, I, you know, the Hall of Famer there did a few exciting things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, got into coaching, but realistically, I wanted to play. Right, and I like it. It really just killed me, you know, the not being able to like compete. You know, when I was going to camps, the biggest things were uh, pretty much where I went to school. Yeah. It wasn't about the ability of me killing everybody that you brought in here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was more. I went to Division Two school, HBCU. Yeah. Who are you? Right. You know what I mean? Like so, and I think. Um, just a lot of kids now don't really understand that this is a business and a process. Like, if you want to be able to at least go to college, like, you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. Like, coach, mm-hmm. coach didn't want to make that 6, mm-hmm. 5 o'clock, a, mm-hmm. you know, a.m. sacrifice. And, you know, you still got to walk to the gym when it's freezing cold, you know. And depending on where you are, you know, if you got a party life, yeah. you know, you like. Wake up. You got you got to wake up, you know. Like those aren't really the topics and discussion of, you know, talk amongst kids and coaches and or coaches aren't being that honest. I mean, they're being brutal about it, but you know, this is what it looks like. You know, this is how it is. Like you've gone through the process, yeah. but two other coaches maybe maybe never I even gone through it. the process. Like they just. You know, in a position because they want to give back and not really reaching out to coaches that have gone through the process to be able to explain them. If you really want to do this, then this is what it takes. Now, if you don't, then we get it. You know, being honest about it. And maybe if you get hurt, this is what it feels like. Right? This is a this is a whole different process. The psychologically, it destroys you. You know what I mean? Or maybe having a friend. That dies. You know what I'm saying? Psychologically, yeah. this is what it goes through. This is the struggles that you that you have to go through. Or getting cut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like so many different things that kids can actually go through. And parents maybe not even understand that this is the process that you have to go through in the sport. And they're thinking my kid is the best, yeah. the best thing. So I kind of just started, uh, you know, Hard and Hustle to just kind of just tackle everything in a nutshell. You know what I'm saying? With just mental health, um, the illness. And I'm still learning. I'm kind of, this is really coping for me to be able to talk to, you know, athletes and ex-athletes and people that have gone through the process and are still improving and still, you know, can be able to share their story on so many different levels. You know what I'm saying? And, I, you know, I know y'all have to get back to work. But um, oh, no. yeah, coach is like, ah, work. Yeah, yeah, I'm in my office. But no, but um, no, but like, coach, it. I wanted to actually talk about that because you actually talked about my life. Mm-hmm. You talked about being an athlete, trying to. It's a balance. Um, you gotta you gotta let these kids know for one that it is a balance of life and work because you're here for a purpose, mm-hmm. and if, especially if you're a scholarship athlete, mm-hmm. like that's your paycheck. Yeah. So your boss is going to expect you to be to work on, not just on time, early, so that you can be prepped for that job. Uh-huh. So being an athlete, um, you got to tell these kids that, for one, you're part of the 1% if you make it. Uh-huh. And 
we got to let them understand what 1% is. Like, they don't know that there's millions of other athletes out here who woke up before you mm-hmm. who working out the same position. My brother position used to always tell me that, man. Yeah, he used to man. always say that. That's my thing. Like, outwork somebody because somebody's trying to outwork you. Yeah. That's what I try to tell the kids right now. Like, if you're at Stanton Elementary right now trying to play basketball, somebody at Garfield, they probably hooping right now in this 30-degree weather trying yeah, to get yeah. better, getting those 10 free throws in a row. Yeah. Like, so that mentality is what I'm trying to breed into the child with these kids. But to accelerate it to the college level, we got to let them know that um, once you get there, if you're about that life of being an actual college student, you know, going to the parties, you know, networking. Yeah. That's what I call it. Yeah, networking. Really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to the parties and networking and uh, mm-hmm. you know, rubbing elbows with a lot of people at night. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to understand that, you know, if you got practice at 6 in the morning, you know, you probably got to cut it off at 11 at 11 a.m. You can't go till 2. Yeah. So that's the balance that I had to learn because I missed days. I missed an actual game. Trying to, wow. trying to keep up with the Joneses. Wow. So, and thank God, like my, I had a coach that was understanding. Like he saw where I came from. He saw my whole journey. And he was trying to like, act, act, try to mold me into yeah. like who I am right now. Basically, yeah, yeah. Like he helped that process. So he kind of like slapped me on the hand. It could have definitely went, you know, south. Yeah, yeah. Situation, so you but, been then they go into a different school. Yeah, definitely. It could have been a whole different situation. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, those situations you gotta try to. I guess thread with the fine needle because you don't want to get in trouble, but you also want to let people know that you know you want to you want to network, you want yeah. to build with people because at the end of the day, if you're in college, like these might be the people that you make lifelong relationships yeah. with. That was so, me and Kiana, Kiana with Congress High School and Culture Center. houses yeah. all of our stuff. I met her in college. I only was in college for a year. But, I made the most of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, a little bit of time. Like, a you know what? I always I tell kids that. Like I tell, like I worked at Anna last year, and I I had a conversation with a matter of fact, um, Angel played football. I used the prime, like the we had a conversation about just life in college as an athlete, and it helps you to become an adult. So you kind of like you have so many, you gotta. Tackle so many different things in in different schools. I said you have high school, you get a chance to kind of, you know, experience things in life. Then you have that the four years, maybe five years, to really figure out what mm-hmm. is it you want to do. Oh seven. I mean, it depends <laughs> on you know the type of person you are. Because <laughs> I, I, I went to summer school every. Year. I don't even know why. <laughs> I, I went to summer taking, school. I was every taking year. stupid stuff. I was taking like badminton. <laughs> Bowling. Just to stay just to stay, stay in school. Food. Like man, that's time of my life. But you have that short period of time to grow and then to figure out what is it you're gonna do with your rest of your life. Uh, Being in a school. And it still changes. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, who would ever thought that You'll be a teacher. Whoever thought that I was a teacher. Whoever thought that he'll be dealing with. Yeah, like, so. <laughs> I had to, like, listen, like, this is. I have to add this yeah, in. Like, this is just dog. like a weird moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm going to add everything. Hey, I feel like it's natural. Is we were in the school. Yeah, we we were worked at school. Stan. Yeah, we, we told y'all where we were. Like, <laughs> right, right. 
She just came on and asked about attendance. For the record, this is not a school day. <laughs> we not be asking on a school day. For the record. But no, but yeah, you have you have the rest of your life to kind of figure out which direction you want to take. And we still still kind of change, you know what I mean, within the process. So Coach K. Yes. Question. How did you get with YBA play? Like that was that to me was like for you to be a minority and have like a boys southeast baseball team, the kids just kind of like compete on every level. Like I'm talking about like real baseball, real 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 yeah. base. I got to tell the story first, all right, and then you guys are like. <laughs> so one one day in the summertime, right? We was at we was at uh, we was at camp. And I end up pitching. I don't know how I end up pitching. <laughs> I was frying them, man. I was like throwing strikes, getting them out, talking trash, catching the ball behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> Coaches in the back, like, you gotta put the bat down. You gotta lift the shoulders up. Like we was in the game. And I was just like, hey, hey, coach, I'm on fire right now. But but how did you get how did you get your program with? To be able to even practice and because that's a hard facility to, to get at, man. So you really just gotta ask. For one, you gotta ask, and you gotta be able to deliver once you do ask. And prior to asking, you should have probably already delivered a little bit of something <laughs> that people can see. Yeah, yeah. And so um it started, I guess. So I always wanted to start my own program. I thought it was just going to be like a after school summer program. That's what I wanted to focus on. The reason being is because from that one year of college that we just talked about and then from working like two years of odd jobs and then getting into um, a foreign exchange company and working eight years there as like what I would consider my official career at the time. Um, those years of my 20s basically was teaching me like, I ain't learned everything I needed to learn while I was in school. And I don't even mean like college. I mean, grade school should be teaching me some of these basics. <laughs> like, well, that doesn't even make sense. And so knowing that um, and knowing that grade school probably wasn't ever going to turn around and change what they were, were teaching because it was intended this way. Their teaching is nonsense intentionally to brainwash us and sit us down into corporate America. And if you can't make it there, then they putting you in jail. Yeah. That's why they have those third and fourth grade placement tests and things like that to see how many jail beds they got to make school to prison pipeline. All that's real. We know all of that. So with all that being a thing, I wanted my program to focus on just like, um, everyday living stuff that we need to know that school didn't teach us. I wanted to teach it, teach uh, like how to do taxes, simple, how to change a tire, tie a tie, um, um, with some other stuff, run a business, start a business, just, you know, little things like that. So, um, after that's infinite evolution, yeah, that's what infinite evolution youth empowerment initiative ended up being. Um, but I'm gonna tell you how we got there. And so, <laughs> uh, I was w working every day, like Monday through Friday, had a job, Saturday, Sunday, had a separate job, part time joint. And right when I left my part time Saturday, Sunday job, I ended up going to a uh, barbecue. Um, and meeting an old high school friend who at the time was the athletic director of Clinton Boys and Girls Club. Um, and he had coached a baseball, basketball, and football team. Same age, so he had the same kids cycling through each season. Yeah. 
And uh, they were getting to the year where the same way when I played, we were getting to the year where it was no longer T-ball and no longer machine pitch. They needed somebody to come teach the kids how to pitch. And he knew that I, Mike Daniels, by the way, is what I'm talking about. But he knew that um, I pitched in high school. And so he asked me to come out there and teach the kids. Um, I did. It was a fall season. It wasn't enough kids to actually put a whole um, season together, like with a schedule and all that good stuff. But we just worked out over the fall season, taught some kids how to pitch, came back in the spring um, to teach some more and really enjoyed it and just stuck with it. That's how I started spending my, my weekends and my evenings. Um, we found, we really found something in what you really love. Yeah. And so we were uh, breezing through county, like going undefeated, beating everybody by 10 or more. Um, and so we needed to go to a travel league, a travel baseball league. Ended up meeting who uh, a guy named Aaron, who is now actually the head coach at Riverdale Baptist. Um, but we ended up getting on with him with, with a travel program. This was their first year that they were going to have their own travel program. They wanted a couple teams on it. So they took his uh, youth team and they took our youth team, put in a travel program together. And we did so much of the brunt of the work for real that we pretty much learned how to put our own program together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we stayed with them for a year. They oversold and underdelivered. No offense to Aaron, that's still the man. But uh, <laughs> but um, because of that, we were like, we could just do this ourselves. It'd make our parents happier. It'd make us happier. We're just going to do that. And so we started the program that I'd already been talking about wanting to start um, with the support of my two mans who were basically like helping coach and, and not even helping coach because I wasn't even a head coach. I was the assistant coach. Mike was the head coach. And then uh, Steve, the other co-founder, was a parent of one of the kids on the team. So the three of us um, brought together, co-founded Infinite Evolution Youth Empowerment Initiative. If you notice, that's three I's. It starts with an I, ends with an I, and it's E-Y-E in the middle. Um, So third I, stay woke, stay focused, get your stuff done. And the basis of the actual program is um, athletic discipline through baseball, because that's what we wanted to focus on. Uh, And then financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and community community service. So if you learn how to start a business based on what you're passionate about, you learn how to manage your money, and you stay community oriented, so you give your funds back to the community, you give your time back to the community, things like that, then we will continue to grow. So it's infinite evolution. So we're just taking the initiative to empower the youth to continue to grow. So hopefully when we keep doing this cycle, we teaching two of us might be teaching 10 kids. Those 10 kids go teach 10 more kids, 10 kids, teach 10 more kids. It continues to grow. So that's why we started the program. That's how we started the program. Steve is the mastermind with the art, the drawing, all of that stuff is our our own creations. Um, Mike chose the colors. I chose the name. We came up with the whole concept, put it together. And doing that, that same year we did that, 2016, three years ago, four years ago now, um, I came to Stanton to uh, – actually, I didn't come to Stanton. At the job that I was working, the assistant principal at Stanton um, would play flag football with us. I would play flag football with my coworkers for whatever reason. I started hanging out with them doing, <laughs> doing football and stuff. I guess it's like an extracurricular activity, something to do. And uh, the, <laughs> the assistant principal was somehow – I don't know how she was cool with my coworkers, but she was cool with my coworkers because she was on our flag football team. So me and her became real cool, Miss Bosman. Um, and she uh, introduced me to Marshall, who I told you got hired to start the Boys Institute and all of that. I'm thinking the Boys Institute is like well established. I wanted to come out and just learn from him for real, see what he had going on. I knew he was calling his kids. Uh, well, I actually didn't even know they was calling them the Kings. We were 
uh, doing all our paperwork and all of that stuff. The 501c3 we actually got in um, July of 2016. And in July of 2016 was the same um, time they were starting that program. Mm -hmm. I thought because I had met him in like May and he was off break shooting me emails about the start date and this and that and blah, blah, blah. I thought they had already been established. They were usually a summer program, mm -hmm. but this was actually their first summer. So wow. I went to the first, the very first inaugural event. So I witnessed Kariga crown them, start calling them Peace Kings, all of that stuff. And I'm like, yo, this synergy here is just yeah. trippy as hell. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> continue to show up like once a week to just uh, see their progress, what they had going on. Um, would show up to do like interviews for the kids and things like that whenever they needed. And then come to school year time, uh, Marshall was actually assigning kids mentors and stuff. And so he made me a mentor of this kid um, named Jordan. Had one of the like roughest family situations, all the kids and all of that. So his mom, him, whoever in their family was always hitting me and Marshall up. And so it caused us to talk more. Then Marshall was also just doing a lot of music stuff because his uh, roommate spent, um, who's a DJ slash producer slash just musical genius. He uh, is in his basement and hosting something every Friday called Taco Night. And um, oh, it would wow. bring a lot of creatives out, a lot of artists out and all of that to kind of just, that? nah, we, we kind of cut it off because it grew too big. And so <laughs> it grew too big, didn't want to keep it up as a weekly thing. Yeah. Started doing it a year later as like a monthly thing that we started calling Creative Saturday. Mm. Um, it was dope, it was cool. But the three of us were trying to manage three different businesses at now at this point. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> it, it was it was semi-effective, but we were spinning a lot of wheels and creating a vibe, but not getting anything on the back end of it. And so we were like, instead of the three of us working on three different things, how about the three of us work on one thing, get that off the ground, then move it to another thing, then move it to another thing. So that's kind of the phase of life that we're in right now. You got to take everything with time. Like yeah, yeah. We just started this three years ago, and I think the momentum that we've developed and gained and the things that we've accomplished so far is pretty dope. So I'm not stressing. I'm not trying to rush it or anything, but that's just, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, everything in a nutshell, how we, how we ended up. Uh, coming together, doing that. Oh, the the next level of life, what I was going to say was um, from coming through the taco nights and having to continuously get hit up by, by that family and stuff causes us to talk so much that we were like, come the summertime when we both have a lot of free time on our hands, we're going to sit on this stoop because he has a stoop outside his house and we're going to come up with all the ideas possible that we need to put on paper that, that'll get something done. And uh, we sat down and, and mapped out baseball and brotherhood because um, the kids, this was their, I think, second year now about to go into this program. And um, they still didn't have a sport, number one. So we could have gone with football or we could have gone with a. Uh, with basketball, which is natural, but these kids, we wanted something that was starting at an even playing field. A lot of these kids already played football. A lot of them watch enough basketball that they know a lot about it. Baseball, they don't know anything about. They haven't done. And the National Baseball Academy actually was coming over to Stanton because they knew about the program. They weren't coming over here working with them yet, but they were at least knocking on the door like, hey, how can we partner? How can we partner? And uh, Marshall didn't seem like they felt, they seemed like conscious enough or or knew enough about how to stay in touch with these kids or or even relate to these kids so he didn't really want them to be the ones to do it he wanted me to facilitate it so we went to them with the three-way partnership of like how can i be the one facilitating the information and the baseball for these kids while p still does the 
hopes of discipline, integrity, love, and and mm-hmm. really gives the curriculum, the meat of the curriculum to the kids. And the academy really just provided space and, and supplies because mm-hmm. we were still just starting out. So it was a lot of resources we didn't have yet. And they were down to do it. They were like, yeah, we'll let y'all have it because this seems dope. And we wanted to do it in the middle of the daytime anyway. And they don't have a lot of usage in the middle of the daytime because all the kids are in school. Yeah. So all of those things working out perfectly, they were like, yeah, go ahead, let's do it. And we did it the first year. It was dope. Brought it back again the second year, and now we're actually trying to find ways to, um, I guess, professional develop their staff and things like that to get them on the same wavelength that we are when it comes to relating to these kids. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. So, yeah. on a nutshell, Mr. Barry, this is how I got here. <laughs> Let me tell you the story. <laughs> Coach is like, coach is like, man. I didn't even talk about how I started coaching YBA, but that's how how I got cool with them from that. And when they saw me out there with those kids, they were like, yeah, he needs to be out here with us. He needs to be with us. That's how we ended up doing that. So we, 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 that's how we end up. So I had this really guy, this this really cool guy, um, and he was like, coach, you know, you want to coach baseball? You know, just show how to. Was it Moten? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Figure, figure is Moten. And I was like, well, I don't know nothing about a baseball. I ain't never played baseball. So I was like, all right, yeah, sign me up. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, you get, you get a nice little coin from it. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. What do I need to do? And then fast forward. Moten with the college with me too, by the way, for the record. He oh, was he at did? Maryland same year. He graduated 2006 from high school, Maryland 2010. He was on a he was a solid football player. Yeah, he went, he went to the league and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> matter of fact, went to the league and the whole nine. So yeah, Go so ahead. I get that. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, when they first assigned us to our group, you know, here you go, coach. It's cool self. Like yeah, this is what we're gonna do. Bit bat bat bit bit. And I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> you know, tell me what you just need me to do. Uh, that's man. basically what I said. So I was like, I'm gonna just go ahead and run the show, but y'all just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just be what you need. Do what I need you to do. When I need you to do what I need you to be. And not so, even in an asshole type of way. <laughs> just like a, I'm gonna make this easy for everybody type yeah, of way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. But so then we, we had some, the, the kids was like really cool though, man. Like they were very respectful, you know, like, I mean, I knew they would had their moments or anything and they talked to each other any kind of way. So I knew it was like brother love, you know what I'm saying? They, they showed me the most respect. And coach was like, man, you should come work in stand. And I was like, all right. You know what I mean? I'm like, look, these are the kids that most people don't even want to have to deal with. That's how they end up with me so much. So if you like these kids, kids, then you're going to like all of these kids. (laughs) So, you know, I came. He introduced me to, you know, AZ Days. Man... I swear, I, I was stressed out for two months. She <laughs> said, man, you bamboozled me. Yeah, every, every time, time she, she saw me, like, she said, man, you bamboozled me, man. You told me those was the worst ones. <laughs> every time she saw me. But you know what, though? Like, I, With the super I, stress like, face. Now when I see him, I'm like, man, this is, I thank you for just inviting me here. Because it's like, this is the the energy here is just phenomenal. Like, they apologetic. Yeah, like they mess up and they be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like you be like, I'm calling your mother. Like, I'm sorry, please. No, and it kind of reminds me when I was a kid. So I really love it here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I genuinely love it here. You know what I mean? Like, they don't breathe over your neck. You know what I mean? It's just nice. It's a nice environment. So then I'm going to wrap it up because we have kind of been talking all day. So you get, you get, I enjoyed it though. Yeah, it was really dope, right? You get, you, I always like to end. My show, by asking a question, if if you could, you know, 
give something to mem- the, the the community or you know people who's listening to something to remember you by some encouraging words or whatever you know you find that is dope for you. What would it be? Um, one of my favorite quotes: uh, "Slow motion is better than no motion." Because there's a lot of people out here thinking that they need to move as quick as everybody else that, that they grew up with. Like, you may have went to high school with somebody who got a Fortune 500 company right now. You may be looking at him like, oh, I'm trying to be on that level. But slow motion, you might get there. It's just not your time yet. So That's dope. Keep it moving. Mm. Coach K? It's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, find what you love. Um, focus on it and take your time with it and stay positive and it's all going to work out. That's it. Hey, Cole said that like you asked him like, hey, solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but thanks. If you try to condense this, this is really dope. A like, you know, I don't think Coach K thought it was going to be this dope, man. Kinda yes, pushed I did. Off like I didn't push you off. I like, told I, you. Hey, look, I be, hey, I'm excited. <laughs> about this video, yeah, you know. But thanks again, man. And remember, y'all, this is your dream and your story.